first edition of the women's cycling weekly podcast tilda are you jingle, feeling jingle 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 bells there we go i can't edit in some real sounds so that'll have to do can you not don't know how well, to maybe that. i can <laughs> quiet. um yeah how are you this fine december morning i'm okay possibly starting to feel festive now that we're in christmas week you know i've had a few daily hot chocolates that's all you need right so i'm getting there how are you that Bailey's hot chocolate you sent me the other day looked delicious. You need to get on it. You need to get I on it. I just had a straight up Bailey's last night. That was enough for me. <laughs> Getting Christmas University Challenge going on. Oh, I'm behind. I'm behind. No spoilers. It's my favourite <gasps> thing about Christmas, for real. I actually love it. I've got a competition going on with my mum and dad. Ooh, nice. I'm winning, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, so today... We're kind of doing a bit of a, we don't have a guest this time because we thought we'd just do a little look back on the year, a bit of festiveness and uh, yeah, just a little special edition because we've obviously got a festive edition of the newsletter coming out on Friday as well. So we're in the Christmas spirit. We just want to have a little bit of fun, don't we? We do. And just remember this, what has been a pretty mad year I know it feels like the cycling world in general has done a lot of like reflecting on this year but I could think about it forever so much happened it was so exciting no I feel like it's been like two years I already Mm. feel like I'm in 2023 and like I don't know like Mm. January this year feels like two years ago yeah crazy times so before we get into all of that should we have a little look at the week in women's cycling there's actually been quite a few developments um first up is the Zwift Academy winner has been announced her name is Alex Morris she's from the UK whoop whoop um wow that was so out of character for me I've given myself the ick um so she I actually interviewed her for cycling tips um she's a lovely girl she's 22 and she sounds like she's got a really promising future she's really determined she's only started racing on the road this year and she's already made massive amounts of progress so looking forward to seeing what she can do next year with Canyon SRAM um also crash tastic I don't know if you watch the um the series like people crashing their front and center yeah a bit weird really Food hair mm. oil um <laughs> And at the weekend, we had the now extremely popular snowy Val de Sole Cyclocross World Cup, which was won by none other than Pope Peters. Um, unfortunately, um, Femme Van Empel, her kind of main rival, um, crashed out. She looked like, I mean, Tilda, you were watching it. I just kind of tuned in just after the crash what actually happened yeah I think she just sort of slipped out it was because you know it was very icy and compact in the snow um landed quite heavily on her leg uh where cyclocross is usually a fairly low impact sport when you crash it's very different on the snow and she looked pretty hurt like she was holding her leg it was a bit concerning and they took her off on a stretcher and I think at first uh it seemed pretty scary like she could have done some real serious damage um, the update this week is that she's got some like bruising and swelling from bashing her knee pretty hard, but no deeper damage. But yeah, still an injury in that kind of area. And if you're dealing with a big bruise or bleeding and stuff like that, then it might take her a little while to be back on the bike, back in form. So her kind of overall World Cup and World Champs hopes are possibly in a little bit of doubt now. Oh no. I mean she's got a while till the world champs. Hopefully she can um rally before then. But yeah, I guess snow would have been all right now if it was quite powdery and fluffy snow. It must have been ice that she hit because she also came out and said that she might have like a mild concussion too. Yeah, I think is... I think this was the problem with the snow was not necessarily powdery, it was super, super compact in parts of the right. course. They were talking about it a lot on commentary and it was somewhat interesting. But yeah. <laughs> She kind of hit hit the ground heavy, not like when you f- fall on some like marshy mud. Yeah, 
Yeah, I guess usually it's like, you know, grass, sand, mud. Yeah. Well, hopefully Femme can bounce back. She's only young. I'm sure there's um no, I don't know. I was about to go into some sort of bio- biology <laughs> lesson thing. I have no idea how how any of that stuff works, but hopefully she's all good and she'll be back soon. Because Puck's just running away with these little cops now. Um so yeah, it'd be interesting to see if you know Marina Voss and Pauline Fran Provo come back in like really and Lucinda Brown come back in like really strong form at some point during this cross season. Cause whilst I was extremely excited to see Puck winning initially, now it's getting to be she's becoming the anamique of cyclocross a little bit <laughs> at the minute. Um, which is amazing. She's an absolutely massive talent, but we like some close races, don't we? Um and some other well, I was going to say other good news. Obviously, the fem news isn't good. <laughs> the book news is. Um, good news. Um, yeah, Lizzie Dignan has um, set a goal of returning to racing in May after the birth of her second child in September this year. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing her racing again. Um, I think she's one of the best kind of racers to watch in the women's peloton. She really animates things. She's tactically amazing. Um, so yeah, I guess she she'll be coming back for um, the women's welter, of which there is still no details. We've heard very little about it. I mean, we only just found out officially from the organisers about the renaming it and the new date and stuff. So yeah, yeah some more confirmation would be good because it's going to be a busy old May. So they need to know is, what they're doing. Well, oh, I'd love to get to that race though if it's Lizzie's first one back as well. Just generally as well, you know, Spain should be quite easy to get to. But who knows? Could be at the other end of the country. Anyway, uh, next up is the fact that AG Insurance Next G um, have changed their title sponsors to AG Insurance Sudal Quickstep and have accordingly gone with a very similar kit to their kind of brother team. Um, what are they called? Quickstep Alpha Vinyl. Is that right? Sudal Quickstep, I think. Oh, for Christ's sake. Well, they were called... Okay, we don't care about the men's <laughs> team, but anyway. We're allowed <laughs> to get that thing wrong. We are allowed to get that wrong. Um, That team, anyway. And uh, yeah, so new kit, new sponsors, new them. But they won't be in the World Tour because, as we know from last week, that's uh, another team whose name has changed. <laughs> Alpacin... <laughs> No, not Phoenix the Kernic. Oh my god, this is awful. This is in this January. Is... We need to get we need to get revived. I was going to say this does not bode well for the start of next season, where like all the teams' names and kits and everything has changed. I that's the worst time of year for me. It takes me like half the season to get used to it, and then it changes again. I hate it so much, and I complain about it every year. And it's very boring to complain about <laughs> it because it's really like a classic thing to say. But anyway, there's uh, not that many kits uh kit designs have really come out yet have they um for next year no that's very true actually like, you know, we, we're usually expecting whatever canyon surround we've cooked up you know so far mm. 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 interesting probably january camps is when we'll get them maybe yeah always look forward to that oh we won't get abby's um kit review and cycling tips maybe i'll anyway that's a tangent um um and finally um Slightly weird one coming out of um, the Netherlands. Um, Chantal van der Broek Black, there were reports in um, AD.nl that she returned a positive test in 2008 after the World University Championships, is it called? Games? Um, when she was 18. Um, so, yeah, they're saying that she returned a positive urine sample, um, but that it, she was never sanctioned for anything. Um, so yeah not really sure kind of why this has come up now or like what's going on with that but um yeah SD Works have released a statement haven't they told her about this yeah so Cycling News actually reached out to SD Works so this is thanks to their reporting that we have this um they said they have spoken to Chantal about the incident concerning a positive test on the drug furosemide in 2008 the incident happened seven years before she started riding for our team the team was never aware of this incident 
She has stated to the team that this case has nothing to do with doping. She explained her story to the parties and authorities involved at the time. They subsequently decided not to suspend her. Furthermore, the rider emphasized to the team that she has never used doping throughout her career. So, yeah, everyone seems to be kind of saying nothing happened, but there are some kind of concerns around how someone can return a test and it never seemed to make its way to the UCI. There aren't really any proper records about the decision that was made. Um, and so, yeah, it's not necessarily casting aspersions on Chantal, but more about what the process was, the processes were like at that time, and they clearly weren't um, fully watertight. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole kind of worms, isn't it, that story? Um, not very festive, so we're not actually going to get into it today. <laughs> um what we are going to get into though um given that we don't have a guest today is we're just going to go straight into just going to reflect on the year it's been a big one it's been eventful from start to finish and there's been a lot of exciting developments in women's cycling do you know why I think it feels like this season and this year has been like twice as long is I think because like everything from 2020 for, yeah from 2021 was like backloaded still because of covid so it's like we had like mm. roubaix at the end of 2021 yes and then we had yes. it again in april for, yeah. like i don't know in my brain that's like almost the same year i also feel like everything is a little bit like pre and post the tour de france fam that was kind of this like huge peak and we have all the mm-hmm. classics and all that that happened before that and then we had that and then even after that there was still quite a lot of season to go and it just feels like as you say, yeah, a million yeah. billion things have happened. Lots of new races, like seventy, well, seventy-one scheduled women women's world tour race days, but they didn't obviously all happen because the races in China, etc. Um, but yeah, so much to to look back on. But I guess we kind of need to boil it down to like a few favorite moments. So, do we? Should we rank them? How should we do this? Should we rank them? Like top moment down because I think that's gonna be hard. I don't know if I could pinpoint. I cannot one. rank. No, okay, let's not do that. Let's Sorry, just throw in a few we're, ideas. We're wimping out of ranking. We're not doing that. <laughs> we're just gonna say some favorite moments. All right, okay, Tilda, you go first. I feel like you may also say this because you have mentioned it as a favorite before, but a race I keep going back to is Strada Bianchi. It was so good. Um with that that kind of battle in the final climb up to the big square in Siena and oh my god like I was like shouting at the tv in the final corners like I didn't even have a particular bias if I wanted to win but it was just this it was like the most head-to-head I've ever seen in a Strada Bianchi finish and it was so exciting and I think it was that day where I was like oh my god yeah women's cycling this year is going to be exciting um yeah it's a great race anyway, but the finale to this year was excellent. And to see Lotta Kopecky kind of really prove herself in a race like that. I mean, she's kind of sometimes been pegged as a rider who's really good, but doesn't always win. Um, or that she, you know, is a bit too much of a sprinter, but she kind of blew all of those accusations out of the water on that day and proved she can do the climbing, she can do the sprinting, she can beat um, Annemiek at the final. So, yeah, love that one. Yeah, I think I was fighting over this moment from um, on freewheeling with Lauren, I think it was. But because, yeah, I think also, like you say, it kind of just, it was the first women's world tour race of the season and it just set the tone a bit. It was like, everybody, I think, was was like, oh, here we go. First race of the season, Annemiek's going to like win it by a mile. She's going to run away with it. It's going to be the same story. And then Kopecky was just like, actually... <laughs> And that move in the final corner is iconic. Like, so good. Just so good. kind of everything we love about racing, just like a cheeky, tactically perfect move that wins her the race. And was it her first World Tour win? I think it was, wasn't it? Probably. Yeah, I think it was. So, and yeah, it, huge it, it kind of her. Yeah, it started off a bit of a fun spring fair as well obviously yeah Flanders another one of my favorites yeah her win in Flanders and the Belgian chance jersey and (sighs) the way that the way that like um the crowds and like the Belgian press and the public like responded to that um was amazing to see because she just got like so much attention for it in the way that like 
you know as a female cyclist she probably was like not necessarily expecting or used to or especially in Belgium not to open that door but um yeah that was Strade Bianchi was great it's, it's just a great race anyway I think like it's just dramatic and exciting and a bit nuts and then to have it finished like that was sick um okay mine is also it's kind of like a similar vibe my first one it's Marta Cavalli's move at Ansel Gold I feel like that's a classic lol that's not a pun (laughs) (laughs) but also I this is the thing is that like you the classics are when you look back at the season I feel like the classics provide like so many of these moments because and that's why we love the classics and I'm saying this as if I'm someone that's always sat here and said the classics are great love the classics so much whereas before I didn't actually give a toss about the classics really like or I didn't get them I really didn't get them and I've written about this before but I was just like what's all the fuss about I love grand tours and climbing and all of that stuff and then I actually fully paid attention to the classics this year and towards the end of last year and now I'm like best time of year and yeah yeah I obviously I love stage races and I love climbing and I think that's like yeah an excellent part of cycling but the thing with the classics is that you say they provide these moments because riders leave everything on the road obviously that's a bit of a cliche (laughs) but like you know they're not thinking about the next day or the GC or losing time or not like they're just going full in and you see these kind of do or die moves a bit more um which I just love and they just are amazing and yeah this it's just one day and it's all all the drama is like condensed into a few hours instead of spread across the week and it's just yeah bring them back please (laughs) I'm so excited I'm gonna try and get to as many of them as I can as well because like a, a big thing with them is like experiencing actually being there and the the vibes of being there because that was part of why it clicked for me was watching Omloop and kind of just seeing firsthand the atmosphere that everybody talks about um and Roubaix as well it was a big one for that um so yeah going back to Marta Cavalli's move at Amsel Gold it was perfectly timed it was just she took advantage of everybody else kind of looking at each other um Ashley and Demi having a bit of a brain fart and then she just went and then that was that was her first her first win mm-hmm. world to win and um she quickly backed it up again a few days later was it a few days yeah yeah it was, yeah. Yeah. It was incredible the way that she um repeated that that she was like no that wasn't just a one-time thing and I won <laughs> because they weren't looking I'm actually an excellent rider I mean yeah I, I I have not been the biggest fan of the Ardennes before because I've always thought they just don't compare to the, like cobbles right but yeah really enjoyed them this year really enjoyed them and I think for the on the women's side as well because flesh was always like oh well Anna van der Breggen's gonna get this um as incredible as it was that she won was it seven in the end seven editions in a row um yeah I think having Cavalli just get the better of everybody because we again like we'd gone I think we had gone into the season, or at least I know that I had gone into the season feeling a little bit like it's going to be the Animique show because it was the Animique show before as well. And like, again, we've said before, it's not her fault that she can just win all these races, but it does make the racing a little bit boring. And then to come into the classics and have like a different winner or like different winners to what you'd expect. And she she also gave her a good run for her money at Liège too. So, yeah. Um that's my second one what's your next one no that's um, my first one oh my god I actually can't count am I all right after all that classics love I will pick a stage race for this one and not in the world tour and it was the f- only second year we've had it but tour de Suisse no you've stolen mine <laughs> I know which uh, no uh, okay well we can both but you know what there's a lot to talk about from that race right like probably yeah. every stage I liked I mean not the time travel because I hate time travels but you know the rest there was kind of something for everyone during that race. Like the first stage was mad. Like mm-hmm. we thought it was going to be like criterium racing practically, but Lucinda Brand and Paulina Royakas were like, nah, and completely blew it apart. Um, 
that was really great racing. But then obviously what we're all thinking about is the final stage in the rain up to Tion 2000. Yes. That was that was Tour of Romandie. Uh, okay yes it yep. was <laughs> I I also got confused like I was writing my little <laughs> list and I put Romandy and I was like no I don't mean Romandy I mean Swiss <laughs> I don't know what it was the climb I don't know I don't know I could find out but it, it wasn't matter, it wasn't like I mean. the big big no no but it was a big climb in the rain Lucinda Brand and Yolanda Neff were out the front alone showing that off-road riders are just like the best basically I love seeing Yolanda race on the road. And then, yeah, Lucinda was kind of powering away on the final climb. But then Kirsten Faulkner came and joined her. And it was like, oh, my God. And the GC was all to play for as well. And I think if, if Kirsten had won, she would have won the the whole race. Uh, and then Faulkner crashed on the last corner. And it was just like pure drama. And <laughs> like the, I think the rain just made it even more epic. And Lucinda winning a, winning a stage race and kind of proving that She's not just a cyclocross rider or just a domestique, but she can win on these big stages was, yeah, I loved it. And I'm really excited to see it in the World Tour this year, next year. Yeah, that's exactly that moment. I actually just specifically put fight the final stage of that race because, like, it was so dramatic. I think the weather also added to that. The fact that it was, like, torrential rain and, like, and the descent, the beautiful, stunning descending by Lucinda and like, Yolanda. And then, yeah, just everything you just said and, like, Faulkner just sliding out on that corner and, like, you know, you can tell that she was like, okay, I've got this in the bag, like, I'm going to win the overall and then nope. So, yeah, loved that one. And, yeah, I think... Any race with drama, we love it. Yeah, we just love drama. Um, Yeah, I think the, the terrain and the unpredictable weather makes for a very, very exciting race. And yeah, looking forward to the next one of those. Okay, as soon as you nicked my second one, I am going to have to go to the next, which is we're going on to the track for this one. And that might Ooh. not be as surprising for anybody after hearing me bash on about it and reading me bashing on about it lately. But um, it's basically just watching Matilda grow a sprint. It's the world's sprint, just so her like staring down her opponent the whole vibe of that and just getting back into watching match sprinting and just watching sprinting because like um and we've talked for anyone listening who um we haven't released this episode yet but we did speak to Sophie Capewell literally yesterday um the GB sprinter so if you want to hear more about track sprinting and just track racing in general then look out for that should be coming out in the new year's all right Tilda. Mm-hmm. so we go look at me with a segue and a plug in the middle of the pod such a pro anyway um yeah I used to love watching um Victoria Pendleton and Anna Mears back in the day um it kind of got me into into the sport a bit my dad always used to be like watch this this is gonna be cool and I'll be like okay and then I was like oh, this is amazing um so and it was around the time of um, the London Olympics and everything. And so I was really into it. And then I don't know, I just kind of like didn't really pay that much attention to track for a while. And this year have really started to love it again. And watching watching sprinting has been like my favorite bit again, just because, I mean, it's it's so far removed from road racing. I think that's also part of it because it's nice to mix things up a bit and have like a completely different um, type of race and get into a complete with totally different tactics totally different like everything really um but also just yeah the competitiveness and the the drama and the suspense as well so yeah I guess I don't know what the moment what are we summarizing the moment as but I just put track world sprint but it's beyond that it's just track sprinting Mm. I think Mm. love it right have you got any more I do have one more and it is Surprisingly, I haven't included any off-road in mine, which is crazy for me. But I'm being you haven't. Crazy. There's no downhill. No, because you know what? Are you all right? That's separate to this. Okay. Oh that, really? That's my little baby. Oh. All these road okay. cycling. I know our listeners like road cycling, so I'm providing them with what they want. Okay. This is this is like separating work and play 
exactly 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 wow not even but not even leger leger isn't gonna make it in yeah but that was that was like a personal okay okay sorry all right of my life all right not work Hilda wants to remain mysterious off the pod yeah my work my work and life are very separate if you ever see me at a race like i'm not don't talk to me (laughs) anyway (laughs) if you would let me answer the question sorry um That stage that Sylvia Persico won, the Vuelta, uh, I was not huge. Like, I was, like, really excited for the Vuelta challenge and then I kind of was pretty down on it when it actually happened because there were various, like, shortcomings, I would say. But Mm -hmm. that stage where they let let Anna Kisimov get up the road for, like, 10 minutes, which was just mad in in itself. Yeah, that was crazy. And then they kind of made the catch in the final kilometre and then it was, like, proper... It was like millimeters between Persico and Demi Vollering to win the stage. And it was just, I love watching Sylvia Persico race. And she'd been so good all year without like a proper big win. And that finally felt like her big win. Um, And yeah, just loved it. So yeah, we've got to get some stage race love in there. Um, But that was, yeah, what a day. And again, I think sometimes during this season, we've kind of thought that racing has become a little bit predictable because of things like, Anamik's various long range attacks that you know we all could have seen coming a mile off but then it's moments like that where the racing doesn't quite go to plan and someone slightly unexpected wins that kind of reminds us that no like this is still super exciting and unpredictable and things can happen kind of out of the blue so yeah really enjoyed that one nobody's mentioned the tour hated the tour boring eh (laughs) terrible company did you just hear my tummy rumble no okay did it not pick that up okay we're recording this in the morning and i haven't had breakfast yet um but do you yeah. know what like the tour is almost the tour like and also we i do keep thinking the tour is the tour you did not just say the tour is the tour look <laughs> how many cliches can i get in leave it all on the road strength the tour. strength strength the strength what anyway but what i was gonna say is that also like again that's even more of like a professional thing for us because how much were we watching the race versus we were working? Like it was work for us. I don't remember seeing a lot of the race. So I can't be like, oh, this moment was amazing because I didn't That's see it. That's true. That's very, was, very true. It's, we had a really different experience from when we sit at home and watch races that we did than we did there. And I think as much as we've spoken about all the significance and like how special it was afterwards, my my day-to-day memory of that was just working because it was work and getting the stories written and I wasn't like basking in the moment at the time um, well you're not well we need to go this we need to go next year with women's cycling weekly and it's going to be all like basking basking in the vibes (laughs) when no like basking will be the biggest (laughs) biggest portion of the day but yeah, but even so, all all of the things that I loved about the tour were like hanging out with you and Betsy and doing fun things and stuff like that. Well, I'm wait. not like, oh my god, watching Animink win that stage was so exciting. <laughs> because <laughs> right in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like my nails? Wait, no, <laughs> me. <laughs> Anyone you can't see, I'm like pointing at the camera. Um, no, because wait, because I on my next kind of like prompt is off the favourite women's like the weekly moment of 2022 and maybe this doesn't count because we weren't actually there with the newsletter and the podcast didn't exist yet but one of them for me was definitely being at the tour together yeah we were there together besties but we were working but we weren't like fully together technically but you know what we we sat together most days didn't we we did you you slept in my bed one night let's remember (laughs) (laughs) we weren't together but you know (laughs) Hilda, you said you weren't going to talk about that. Yeah, well. Um, <laughs> no, actually, we should probably clear that up, shouldn't we? <laughs> no, leave it. Leave it that. We had a we. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll mysteriously. Look, we had we had an that. accommodation failure. We we no me and you. Matt. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It happens in France it does. at these races. But oh, luckily, me and Kirsten were there to come to the rescue. Huge. And it took us. It's a good thing that we were close enough to sleep in the same room. I mean, I don't think anyone. Yeah, can you imagine if not? I would. One of us would have just been like on the floor or something. On the floor, yeah, 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 yeah. But and it was a lovely place. 
Mm. The woman was, it was very nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, maybe that's not, though. Did you have anything else in mind for the favourite women's cycling moment of 2022? Well, that obviously was one that I had in mind also. But um, I think a big thing for me has been mountain biking that we've kind of grown to love together this year, I think. And we both kind of deepened our knowledge over the year and included it more in the in the newsletter and hopefully in the podcast in the new year and I'm, I was just looking back at some of the subscriber only newsletters we've done and the one we did like six reasons to get into MTB like it's just nice and I feel like it's something that yeah we've kind of got into together and that kind of culminated by being at world champs together and yeah it's been very nice it has no I think it's again like I said about the track like it's just nice to mix it up isn't it with like different disciplines and and have different like characters to follow and um I think the racing on the women's side has been really exciting this year there's been because kind of last year I, I sort of dabbled last year and I have sort of dabbled for a few years in fact but um Luana Lecomte kind of just ran away with things a little bit or like there's not there's been a lot more kind of balance um a lot of mm. different winners and it's just yeah it's I think it's a really fun and it's not too it doesn't stray too far away from kind of road kind of what what am I trying to say like obviously it's not like road but it's kind of adjacent in a way still because like some of the riders also race on the road or they'll do cross or whatever so you're not completely unfamiliar with you know Pauline Ferran Provo for example um and it's just exciting and for people with really short attention spans like me it's fab so yeah and the vibes are the races I mean we talked about this in that newsletter so go back mm. and find that but um yeah the vibes are immaculate true very true yeah my favorite moment hmm yeah I would say I would have said the tour the tour even though like I say we weren't really there but like with the newsletter and we kind of neglected the newsletter a little bit at the tour in fact because we were just like no we have we have other work to do why do we have this newsletter as well but um I think also just like starting the podcast and kind of starting the paid the subscriber only tier and trying to kind of expand a little bit has has been really great and like all the support that we've had from everybody in doing that has been amazing uh I've been really pleasantly surprised with the response that we've had to that so thank you to everybody if you're listening to this then you're one of those people so thank you (laughs) I but you know what I think this links on to my answer for the what would you do do differently thing go on is that we would not doubt ourselves so much because I think Mm -hmm. sometimes we have or we do let the kind of like imposter syndrome win a little bit and think no we can't do x y and z because we're not like big enough names or like the it's just a little newsletter it's just a little podcast but I think when we've kind of been bold about who we are and just like asked to do things that we want to do it's paid off right so yep. we need to believe in ourselves essentially which is I know that's very like meta to talk about on the podcast but <laughs> um we're very open with you guys so yeah so I think just being more, just knowing ourselves and our importance and that the Women's Cycling Weekly newsletter is important and does matter um, is, I think, the energy I want to take into 2023. Yeah, I think it's easy to get lost in like the, or thinking it's just this like little thing that we do because there's only two of us working on it. And it's like, we're both relatively new to this industry still. And like you say, it's the imposter syndrome thing of like, we do know what we're talking about. But you kind of almost feel as if you have to prove something or you have to have been doing it for a really long time or like all of this. Um, And I think and yeah, I do think we have got something really, something really good. And we've got a really supportive, engaged and just great audience who, um, yeah, we couldn't do without. So I just yeah, I'm looking forward to that brings us on to next year and kind of let's talk a little bit about our plan for world domination um 
<laughs> I hey, haven't prepared my one? slides on this. <laughs> oh, awkward. Um, no, I think we we need to sit down in the new year and come up with some solid plans. But vaguely speaking, I would love for us to go to more races or go to any races as Women's Cycling Weekly together. Yeah. Um, to bring, you know, content that is in the voice and style of the newsletter that you can't get anywhere else that is... Um, because you should yeah anyone listening to this knows that we're we're about the people and the stories and that side of things of course we talk about racing and we analyze races and Tilda in particular is really good at that I'm not so good at that um but also we like to get to know the person off the bike and um you know just seek out those slightly different more interesting um stories and people so just to be able to go and do that in person there's just something different and something that's more engaging I feel with going to a race than just sitting on your sofa watching it you kind of feel more inspired to go and look for those stories and talk to the people and when you're eye to eye with someone it's very different I think so that would be amazing to be able to do that um what else have we got in the pipeline have we got anything else in the pipeline? we have got Yes, also very superficial, but so therefore very me. Um, <laughs> we've got a new logo coming. Um, so when you see us in the new year, we will have a new look. It's not drastically different, but it's very it's no cool. Glow up. It definitely is. It's designed by, of course, it's designed by a female cyclist or a former pro, Abby Van Twisk, who's very talented in the graphic design department. So that is coming that's exciting for me I don't know if anybody else finds that exciting but we do don't we so we do we do um and we've got a few other bits and bobs in the works um we're gonna have to keep it vague because we we haven't had our general meeting yet have we (laughs) our January 2023 world domination meeting we'll let you know but yeah but But bigger better more more good Oh my god, what is happening? It's Christmas, my brain is anyway. To to be a bit less navel gazy. I know you know you're listening because you like us, it's fine. What races are we looking forward to in 2023? Hit me with one, Amy. Mm. Oh, I'm so boring. I'm gonna say Paris Roubaix. Like it's so basic of me, but I just love it. Like now that we have a women's Paris Roubaix, I can't stop being obsessed with it. And we've actually had to wait a year this time, which we didn't have to last time, so I've become, building. but it's so funny to me because I've become one of those like when before there was a women's women's Paris Bay, like I found Paris Bay an exciting, interesting race. But like I said, I wasn't that engaged with the spring classics, so mm. I found those people that were just like obsessed with Paris Bay, like really tiresome. I was like, God, just get over this race. Like it's just a race with cobbles and forest and shit. Like boring. And now I'm literally that person. So growth, I guess. I don't know. That is growth. It's also so, yeah, Paris feminism, Bay. isn't it? Like. classic me classic (laughs) me no I no but to be fair also the men's race is good like it's not that I'm like oh fuck the men's race it's just that I wasn't I don't know I guess because I work in women's cycling like yeah yeah that's why but um yeah that's the one for me I think which I'm gonna peak quite soon then in that sense but Roubaix bring her on what about you well, I think my answer is even more basic because it's literally the next race, but I'm so excited for Tour Down Under. I have a little confession. I used to be Tour Down Under Stan. Like, when I first got into cycling, like, here's a story for, for you. Oracle Green Edge was my favourite team when I was, I was 15, 16, so that's allowed, I think. Yes. And so the Aussie racing was, like, it for me. And also, you used to have the Bakerits, which started on New Year's Day, and, like, a lot of British teams would always go over that I really liked. So it would be, like, I'd wake up on, like, 1st of January at, like, 5 a.m. to watch or read the results of days. these Bakerits. And then, you know what, like... It would be you got like up at 5... Excuse me, well, hang on, rewind. You got up at 5 a.m. on New Year's Day to watch Probably. bike racing. Mm. Anyway, back to this. And then as Todd Ananda came around, because I used to have to get up super early for school. So again, I'd have to get up like half five for school. You got about half five for school? Yeah, I went to school far away. 
So this is not what this is about, though. No, no, sorry, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm shocked. I'm shook. But anyway, so you'd be going back to school, and January's always a bit shit anyway, but it was always made better by the fact I could always, like, catch the end of, of Tour Down Under, and it was always so, like, sunny and nice. And the racing's a bit, like, random, isn't it? Because it doesn't really, like, matter. Like, the, Aussie, the Aussies <laughs> care about it, but everyone else is just having a go, you know? <laughs> so it's good racing, and we haven't had it for so long. We haven't had a proper women's version ever really it's always been a bit of a watered down thing so i am simply dead excited and i don't care oh my god no it's not boring it's very left of field i did not Mm. expect but like you can't have no you can't have like january like what are you gonna do for the rest of the year cry (laughs) well okay the the other thing oh the other thing that i'm also looking forward to then to stretch this out is tour scandinavia i thought it was really good this year and i'm excited to see it again no like yeah kind of multi-country thing and i thought it was some really good stages and we love the people at tour of norway so yeah no they're just like so fun they just seem like such fun people and i actually so i wrote about this but i should have gone there like i was meant to go to the race this year so let's try and get there next year why am yes. i all about going to i just want to travel don't i'm just like take yeah. me on these trips but no like i yeah and i think it it got kind of slightly overshadowed i don't know there's a debate did it get overshadowed by the tour de france Femme or did it what ride the wave i think it was a little bit of both but i th- i think it was a bit of both but i also do think that uh it was there was a lot of like uh, mm, here's the thing is that after the tour is where men's and women's races on the calendar diverge prior mm-hmm. to that all the classics it's men's and women's together and then we had the tour and it's men's and women's like together not at the same time but all of that and so then all the people that had been following these women's races because they follow the men's races, after the tour, that kind of like falls off a cliff a little bit. That's so true. And I you're just watching men's that. races, which don't have a women's equivalent. So I th- I think some of those races th- did get a little bit forgotten simply because the kind of casual fans were not watching them. But us women's cycling fans, we watched them and we loved them. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's really true. I'm just big brain. You know that about Mate, me. Mate, you're so clever. It's Christmas, I've clocked off. Like, I'm <laughs> not, my brain is not functioning right now, but we move. Um. Well, okay, that's got me excited for next year. Honestly, in my brain, it's already 2023. All, all the riders as well, they always talk about this year and they say last year. So they're I keep doing that. I'm I keep doing forward. that. I'm talking about this season, I'm, I'm saying like last year. Yeah. Because it feels like last year. It will be last year soon. So, yeah. Next time you hear from us, it will be last year when we're talking about 2022 because we'll be back in the new year with Sophie Capewell. Yes, not with her. Hear that. With an interview with her. She's not joining the podcast, <laughs> unfortunately. But yeah, um, watch out for that. And we hope you all have a really nice Christmas. Again, we can't say it enough, but thank you all for the support this year. It has meant a lot, a lot to us and we're looking forward to a little little time off for christmas yes i'm gonna go and eat my way in everything really and <laughs> and drink and be merry we didn't really make it very festive this episode we didn't really talk about anything. how do you make something festive you can't oh, okay talk. look one final festive question okay favorite christmas food okay so are we talking the like specifics are we talking on a christmas dinner or are we talking generally oh that's a good question hmm uh well, why not both? What's your... Je- okay, favourite Christmas snack? Favourite part of the Christmas dinner? I'm going to go traditional. I actually really like a mince pie. You hate a mince pie, don't you? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just... Uh, with a bit of, like, brandy butter, mm. a mince pie. Mm. Um, I think... I do, I also love um, cheese. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I've got to say cheese. I mean, I know you can eat cheese. You're vegan! Around, but... Oh, if you, they make vegan cheese these days, I mean, it's 2022. Oh, sorry. But, you know, the cheese and crackers, do you know what I really like? And we only get them at Christmas. It's like the expensive pickled onions. Bougie <laughs> 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 pickled onions. Yeah, a bougie pickled onion. Mm. Mm. Okay, on a Christmas dinner then. Um, uh, This is going to sound fucking nuts. Brussels sprouts. What? If you roast a Brussels sprout, oh my god, it's delicious. I'm kicking you off this podcast. That's not acceptable. <laughs> good onions and Brussels sprouts is lovely. <laughs> yeah, what is wrong with you? Oh my or, god, the, what we've done today listeners, is that Tilda is not to be trusted. Oh no, here, do, do you like bread sauce? No, 
Oh, okay. <laughs> You're not coming around mine for Christmas. Wasn't planning on it. <laughs> Go on, what, what's your favourite part of the Christmas dinner then? Roast potatoes. How boring. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my god, there no. Go. Or pigs in blankets, but like obviously veggie version. Yeah, they're not so good veggie though, are they? No, that's the problem. Yeah. So be honestly, so actually confession time. I do not with it. So <laughs> I would eat turkey, but I wouldn't eat pigs in blankets. No, I know it's really bad. I'm a bad vegetarian, I'm sorry. Mm. But I wouldn't I'd never eat pigs because pigs are like the reason I'm vegetarian because I love pigs. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's some festivity for this podcast. There we go. Let us know your box. answers below. Tick that box. I'm sure they can't be any worse than my answers. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Have a lovely festive period and we'll catch you in the new year. Bye. Bye. Jingle bells. <laughs>